Hello, I'm Joe Cabello, and welcome to Beat It, a screenwriting podcast where each episode breaks down a cult or junk food movie's main story beats, as per Save the Cat and other screenwriting books, or just the very nature of storytelling. A resource for aspiring screenwriters, storytellers, and people who just love movies. If you're not familiar with Save the Cat, or you're thinking, what the hell are story beats? They are basically what makes the main skeleton of a story. You can check out my website at jocabeo.com slash beatit for a written explanation, or you can check out my Breaking Down the Beats episode, which breaks it all down for you. Not every writer writes a screenplay with these beats in mind, and hell, even some writers hate Save the Cat and using a beat sheet like this. So why am I even doing this? Well, that's because there's a reason these story beats exist and are talked about. And I think you'd be surprised how often those beats are in movies, regardless if the writer consciously tried to include them or not. Stories are stories, after all. And why am I doing cult or junk food movies? That's because a lot of time and resources already get spent analyzing the Oscar-winning movies, but no one's looking at these junk food movie classics. I hope by looking deeper into these movies, we can appreciate them on a deeper level and forge ways to write even better junk food movies. Follow the show on Instagram at Beat it screenwriting, and let me know if there are any films you want us to cover or if you have any disagreements on my breakdowns. I won't be offended. This is for all of us to become better writers and storytellers and movie lovers, and I might not always get it right. I love to hear your thoughts on the show, and it'll definitely be a work in progress as far as format and what kind of information I include, so I want to hear from you. And if you really like the show, please support it on Patreon at patreon.com slash beatitpodcast. Even a dollar a month helps incredibly for hosting fees and for the time it takes to watch the movies and edit this. And don't forget to review it on iTunes. That also really helps. Any other new business? Today we are breaking down the beats for 1994's Street Fighter the Movie, written and directed by Stephen E. D'Souza, you know, famous writer of Die Hard, 48 Hours, Commando, basically a legendary screenwriter, so this movie deserves some respect. So without further ado, let's get into Street Fighter the Movie. After seven months of fighting, the Civil War in Chateau may have reached the turning point. The capital has just fallen. In December 1994, the forces of freedom will face a power-mad dictator in a struggle for the fate of the world. The synopsis from IMDb reads, Colonel Guile and various other martial arts heroes fight against the tyranny of dictator M. Bison and his cohorts. Now, I know a lot of people have feelings about Street Fighter the movie, and most of those feelings are that it sucks. And you know what? It does suck, as far as Street Fighter movies go, because much like all of the video game movies from the 90s era into now, it isn't exactly faithful. In fact, it's confoundingly unfaithful to the characters and the entire game. Uh, Take it this way, the American fighter Guile is played by Belgian actor Jean-Claude Van Damme. And no, he does not hide his accent. I just received new orders. But that being said, it's a very fun and effective 90s action movie. And it's a movie that is widely known by being plagued with too many characters, so it's fun to see how writer Stephen E. D'Souza manages all the storylines and character arcs. If you want to know more about the making of this movie, I'll link a great article about it in the show notes that I highly suggest so that you can find out just how much of a shit show production for this movie was. Before we get started, I just want to mention that with so many characters in this movie, there's a good argument for following Chun-Li, Ken and Ryu, or Guile as the main characters of the movie. And every one of them has their own complete arc using their story beats. Stephen E. D'Souza is a legend for a reason. 
But we're going to stick with Guile, because he drives the main story of the movie, even if his emotional arc isn't very strong. Pop a token into the arcade, and let's do this. Round one. Opening image. This movie practically uses a cheat code for the opening image because it starts with a news report that literally states the problem in plain text, crisis in Shadowloo. With just one frame, we have a super effective opening image that tells us exactly what the movie is about, a fight between good and evil. It might not be the most subtle or elegant opening image, but it gets the job done in one freaking frame, and that's pretty legendary. Now, the opening image doesn't need to be literally an image, it can be a scene, but hell, if you can get it done in one shot, there you go. The setup. Since there are about 600 characters in this movie, there's a lot to set up. But here are the important parts that come back around in a satisfying way at the end of the film, or that I just think are too awesome not to talk about. As I mentioned, this movie starts with a news report, which love em or hate em are so damn effective at giving the audience a ton of exposition in a quick, flashy way. In it, we find out that Madman M. Bison has taken 60 relief workers hostage and is demanding $20 billion in three days for their safe return. What's great about this is not only do we have a clear problem, we also have a time limit for the movie's events. Something needs to happen in three days or else. Bison might be a madman. Come here prepared to fight a madman, and instead you found a god? And a god, yeah. But he's also just a guy standing in front of another guy asking him to fight him. What I mean by that is he wants a good one-on-one -on -one fight to quench his thirst for unarmed combat. He even gives the hostage soldiers the opportunity to take him on. You came from across the world to fight me, soldier. Stand clear. Now is your chance and he snaps their neck one after another. I wonder if he'll ever get his wish to fight a worthy opponent one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> Chun-Li is an intrepid reporter, not afraid to get in Guile's face, but who is she really? Is there more to this reporter than just sharing a name with one of the most badass Street Fighter characters ever? Big Bob Geek! And there's Ken and Ryu, who are two grifters who only scam criminals, and they're about to pull one over on Sagat. Despite being based off two noble fighters, they operate in a morally gray area, leading us to wonder, will these men ever find their honor? But can we just take a second to talk about their plan to scam Sagat? Okay, so they're going to sell Sagat fake weapons, so they want the money before they give him the location of the merchandise. And of course, if all goes according to plan, they'll be long gone with the money before Sagat ever finds out that he's been scammed. But Sagat ends up being privy to their plan, revealing that his team has already found the location and discovered the toys. Leading me to wonder, why even have the toy guns in the first place? Just give him a phony location. It's not like he's going to open the crate and think, Well, at least they gave us something. Maybe we shouldn't kill them. It's like, no guns or toy guns. You still screwed Sagat over. Might as well increase your bottom line by not spending $500 on Nerf toys. Sorry for the long tangent. But it won't be the last one. Back to the setup. Carlos Blanca, aka Charlie, is selected for genetic testing, which involves getting pumped with chemicals and watching violent Netflix. All because Guile thought it was a good idea to let his arch rival know that he was in possession of his best friend? Come on, Guile. And we find out that Guile is like the dude. He's like the Kylie Jenner of military commanders. Super popular, super badass. Also, Guile and Bison are arch rivals. Which is what brings us to the theme stated. Theme stated. Bison gives Guile his theme stated when he says, 
You have three days. If my $20 billion are not delivered by then, the hostages will die, and the world will hold you responsible. Victory! And it's true, the whole world will blame this on Guile, especially Guile himself. He feels personally responsible for every single hostage's life. This is more than a mission to save hostages. This is a mission to save his soul. Okay, so maybe that's placing more depth on it than is actually there, but that's basically the gist. Now that may be Guile's theme stated, but since other characters have some pretty strong and clear arcs, characters like Ken and Ryu have a prominent one as well, so here it is just for comparison. You try to justify your con games by telling yourselves you've been stealing from criminals. Now, are you the same as Sagat and Bison, or am I right? And you're different. Catalyst. And then the catalyst. Now that we have all the information about the characters and the situation at hand, we need something to shake it all up. That moment comes when Guile cockblocks the first real street fight of the movie by smashing a tank into the underground fighting arena and arresting everyone. You're all under arrest. With this one plot point, the worlds of Ryu, Ken, Guile, and Sagat all intertwine which will set the rest of the movie's events in motion. It's such a catalyzing moment because nothing else that happens in the movie could or would happen without this event. Oh, you can the debate. The debate. Guile has a big debate on his hands. What is he going to do about the hostages? Will he give in to Bison's demands or risk their lives with a rescue? Well, after one of Bison's spies tries to kill Guile, Guile gets an idea. So here's a side note about Guile's assassin. The dude jumps on a table to rush Guile and stab the shit out of him. And sure, I know that Obi-Wan taught us about the high ground. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground! But if you're an assassin who's lucky enough to get that close to your target, just slit the dude's throat. Don't make a big show out of it or else JCVD will lay you out on your ass. A little side note here, other characters also have their debate story beats in this section too, like Ken and Ryu who have to decide if they're going to take part in Guile's plan, which means they'll actually have to do something selfless for once. Or Dalsum who's faced with whether he'll let Carlos Blanca be turned into a monster. They are all gearing up to make a decision that will bring them to break into two. Sonic boom goes the dynamite, we break into two when Guile fakes his own death. This is all part of Guile's plan for Ken and Ryu to pop a cap in his sweet ass to gain Sagat's trust and infiltrate Shadowloo. Now we're flash kicking with oil. This is when the movie begins. We know who our characters are and what they need to do. And now act two will be us seeing them execute the plan. See how nice and clean that break is? B story. With so many characters, everyone is practically the B story. Even Guile's A story feels like a B story. In fact, as much as Guile is the main character, he's barely in this movie. Everyone is barely in this movie. That being said, Chun-Li is the B story. As she shows us that she's more than just a reporter looking for a scoop, she has a personal vendetta against Bison. That comes right at 30 minutes, which is save the cat timestamp approved. Side note, let's talk about the fact that Chun-Li uses her ninja skills to break into the Allied Nations headquarters where she finds Guile's corpse laying on a gurney. Which, surprise, is not a corpse. It's his real living body. Apparently Guile was just laying on a gurney with a sheet over his head for the past 12 hours, waiting for someone to find him. 
Seriously, what was he doing there? Didn't he have things to do immediately following the hatching of his plan? What is going on here, Guile? Okay, so maybe that part isn't important, but I can't stop thinking about it. Promise of the premise. This is where we get exactly what we'd want from a Street Fighter movie. Street fighting. Well, not really. Seeing as this movie doesn't fit any sort of canon for the video games, we hardly get any street fighting, but we do get a bunch of fun stuff. We get Bison's Weapons Market slash Carnival Party slash Magic Show. We get Zangief's iconic line. Quick! Change the channel! Ken and Ryu butt heads with Chun-Li and her crew, which is important because their inability to work together later becomes the reason they are hoisted by their own petard. Bison brings everyone to Shadowloo headquarters for a rousing good time, including some light torture. This is where Ken and Ryu realize they might have a problem. This sucks. These guys are good guys. Like us. Lately I don't feel very good. And Guile plans to use a stealth boat, because this is a Street Fighter movie after all and it wouldn't be right not to include a stealth boat. Midpoint. The midpoint comes right at minute 45. Feels midpointy to me, but not just because of the timestamp, though that does help. It's because Guile enters a phase two of his plan. He knows where Bison's headquarters is, thanks to Ken and Ryu, and now it's time to attack. This is when Guile gives his big inspirational speech ahead of the assault on Bison's headquarters. Well, I'm not going home. I'm gonna get on my boat, and I'm going up river, and I'm going to kick that son of a bitch bison's ass so hard that the next bison wannabe is gonna feel it. Now, who wants to go home, and who wants to go with me? He's got the whole army on his side, even if the bureaucrats would rather give in to terrorist demands. So with the support of his troops, he launches off on his super awesome stealth boat, it's a false victory though, because Guile hasn't even street fought Bison yet. There is much more battle to take place. Bad guys close in. Now things are getting harder for our heroes. Chun-Li and Bison go on the world's worst first date where she reveals herself to be a total badass and even comes close to defeating him. But since Street Fighter isn't a team sport, the others screw it up and Bison escapes. Her cover is blown. Ken and Ryu's cover is blown, and Bison lives to fight another day. You lose! Carlos Blanca is almost fully cooked into a monstrosity. More importantly, we get like 15 minutes of stealth boat scenes. And worst of all, this stupid boat doesn't work. Guile and his team get spotted almost immediately. Colonel, someone's picked us up. Stealth mode detected. They're jamming us! All is lost. Guile's boat is blown to smithereens, and Bison doesn't have his money, so he's ready to kill the hostages. With only five minutes left, there's no hope left in sight. But it's a false defeat. Guile is still alive, and he can still save the day. If he can get over his... Dark Knight of the Soul. Guile discovers that Blanca has become a monster. He's failed to save his friend, and has no choice but to kill him. Everything Guile has worked for feels as if it's been for nothing. Luckily, Dalsum stops Guile from putting a bullet in Blanca's brain, so that he and Blanca can die much more painfully by being crushed by rubble later in the movie, but it does teach Guile the valuable lesson to press on. Guile can still save the others. At an hour ten minutes, we break into three. We break into three when Guile goes all one-man army and attacks Bison. It's an all-out assault as our heroes escape Bison's grasp and finally come together to fight. Because that's what Street Fighter is all about. 
several people coming together against a common enemy. Well, that's what this Street Fighter is about. Finale. The finale is where we get all the good fights. We get E Honda versus Zangief, Ken and Ryu versus Sagat and Vega, and the big one, Guile versus Bison. I'm talking flash kicks, I'm talking psycho crushers. And although Bison finally gets what he wants, a battle against his only true equal, he is defeated. And by defeated, I mean killed. Zangief becomes a hero after learning he's been a bad guy the whole time. Dalsum and Blanca die for their sins, one for creating a monster, the other for being a monster. Chun-Li gets no sense of revenge, but that's okay, because I guess Guile already warned us about that. This war is not about your personal vendetta. It's about mine. And remember how Ken and Ryu had no honor? That all changes when Ryu leaves to help the good guys, and Ken rescues Ryu. It all leads up to the whole place crumbling down in a massive explosion and Guile along with it. Or so we think. Final image. Turns out that Guile is alive, just in time for the perfect photo op showing all our heroes together in their classic poses. This is Fanservice 101, and I like it. The crisis in Shadowloo is over. The heroes have defeated evil and learned a thing or two along the way. That feels like a complete movie. Now let's do a quick recap. Opening image, Crisis in Shadowloo. The Catalyst, Guile arrests Ken, Ryu, and Sagat at the street fight. Act 1 break, Guile fakes his own death, the mission begins. Midpoint, Guile leads an assault on Bison's headquarters. Dark Knight of the Soul, Guile's friend is a monster. Third act break, the final battle. Final image, our heroes win. Why does this work? Well, every character has a pretty clear story arc throughout the movie, so even if they don't all necessarily get the time they deserve, there's still a strong sense of story with each one of them. And of course it's silly and whatnot, but it's structured pretty well, with the mission happening in the whole second act, and then the final battle happening in the third. And of course that final battle doesn't go the way they thought it would when they first started their mission, but still, they end up winning. So what do you think about this movie? What do you think about the structure now that uh, you've had it broken down like this? Can you see your own movie within this structure? And of course, you won't have Americans speaking with Belgium accents, but your movie might have a mission in the middle. It might have a final battle at the end, and maybe there's something we can take away. Well, thanks for listening. Remember, you can uh, find us on Facebook. Just search uh, Beat It Screenwriting Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram as well, at Beat It Screenwriting, where I often post uh, little inspirational things for you writers out there. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us, and we are going to have some fun movies coming up in the future. Thank you. This is Joe Cabello for Beat It.